Hey, Paul, what about those caterpillars I see wandering around this fall? You mean those bandit woolly bear worms? Bandit? What, why, why are they called bandit oh, worms? I don't know. Maybe they're outlawed. But uh, they say the narrower the band, the harsher the winter. Uh-huh. So, so keep an eye out. Have you seen any this year? Yep. Yeah? And? Uh, and I'm not going to report till next spring. Okay. <laughs> All right. We'll watch it. Listening to In Grey Highlands this week, episode six for Halloween, October the 31st, 2019. Stuart, after 40 days and 40 nights, it's been 11 days since that election. How do you, what do you think about what's going on there? Well, there's lots of controversy in Ottawa, that's for sure. Yeah, it's good. interesting to follow that. I guess they're working on that new cabinet, and, and I understand that they need it to, to have it in place by November 20th. That's right. So I think that the high cost of uh, elections will probably uh, uh, keep things uh, stable for a while. Any any news on what elections cost? Well, certainly uh, from all, not only from the federal government, but from the parties too. But yeah, so so I just did a little bit of research this morning. And uh, in 2011, it cost $290 million. And then in 2015, it was up 53% to $443 million. So I guess it's early days to know what this one's going to cost, but it'll probably be up. And that's the taxpayers' costs. And then, of course, there's the cost of the individual candidates, their costs and things. Oh, so Yes, it could be it could be a total spin across the, across right. the country, maybe of a, of a billion dollars. Uh, there's economic development, eh? That's right. So we had some good candidates in our, in our election, and uh, I think, uh, you know, we, we have to honor our, 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 our former MP, uh, Larry Miller. So do you know what Larry's doing these days? So Larry's put a, a lot of years in. I think it was over 15 years, uh, you know, a commitment to the, to the community of uh, Bruce Gray Own Sound and, uh, you know, well-deserved to take that uh, retirement. And uh, I understand that you had a, a, a great opportunity to uh, hook up with uh, Alex Ruff, uh, the new elected MP for uh, Gray Bruce Own Sound and on his way to, to Ottawa. That's right. And he's looking forward to that, that new job. Yes, he is. So, Anyhow, here's the interview. I want to say hello to you and congratulate you on your stupendous win uh, for uh, Gray Bruce Owen Sound uh, region in, uh, as, an M- as our newest and latest MP. So I, I'm sure you're excited. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, I mean, first off, I'm humbled and honored, uh, you know, to be given this opportunity to keep serving and... Uh, I just don't have to wear my uniform and shave every day. So, uh, but it, uh, I'm definitely excited to get uh, get to Ottawa and and start doing my best to uh, represent our riding. Well, we look forward to uh, making things happen uh, once again uh, in our area uh, in Ottawa. So, uh, has Ottawa contacted you or somebody uh, in the? Uh, appropriate office uh, maybe the speaker's office or something and this is where you're where you're headed and this is what you can do or yeah no they reached out to me last wednesday and had a great conversation really impressed with the professionalism of the uh liaison officer out of the house of commons administrative staff and so that's exactly what i've been booked in so i'm traveling to ottawa today and i have my orientation session booked for the next couple days uh where they'll get me up to speed and uh, as well, the obviously the the party has reached out to me, and we're having our first caucus meetings uh, and training sessions uh, booked in for the the following week uh, up in Ottawa as well. 
One of the things that uh, you must have been uh, burning the candle at uh, both ends there. So is, have you had a chance to have a little bit of relaxation over the last couple of days? Oh, I'm fine. I mean, other than the uh, the first day, like last Tuesday was a pretty tiring day just because I only got about four hours sleep. But uh, right, right. it's one of the things I, I, I learned throughout my career and uh, it really hit home. My, my first tour in Afghanistan, the importance of sleep, it's hard to make smart decisions uh, if you're not well rested. Alex, anything that uh, you sort of the summary of uh, uh, what the, the constituents, uh, I know you knocked on a lot of doors, anything that you might have, you know, what, what is a major issue, a uh, federal issue in our particular area uh, that maybe you're going to, let's say, make as a priority? Do you have anything in mind? Well, I think just you know, the, the rural issues are the overwhelming thing that I heard at the doors, uh, you know, in particular affordability, you know, with respect to housing. And again, that's just not a federal issue that actually crosses all three levels of government and, and private industry. So I think that's going to be a priority and, and, and all the parties, you know, talk about it. So it'll be interesting to see how the reelected, uh, uh, liberal government is going to tackle that, and, and it'll be my job to hold their feet to the fire and, and deliver on what they promised. Uh, you know, the Prime Minister visited our riding just before the election started and talked about the importance of broadband uh, internet and that it's going to be a priority. So uh, I'm looking forward to, again, holding his feet to the fire to get that uh, the, the financing and the support. Uh, to our riding to get rural broadband uh, up and running uh, and giving with the reliability and the speed that uh, that is expected to be the, the, the minimum standard. Uh, as well, agriculture is the other thing that I'm concerned about uh, as a priority because uh, all, a lot of our beef farmers, uh, pork, you know, everybody's taking a bit of a hit with the ongoing disputes with uh, China and Saudi Arabia. And, of course, with the renegotiated uh, NAFTA um, or U.S.-Mexico-Canada uh, agreement, you know, the, our dairy farmers have been promised them uh, some compensation as well that we need to make sure we, you know, deliver on. Well, Alex, it's, uh, it's nice, of course, that the, you've, you've picked up uh, off uh, where Larry Miller was was a well-respected MP for our area and everybody in uh, Bruce Gray Owen Sound, you know, we knew that uh, Larry was working for them. So, and uh, uh, let, let's say this it was not a conservative government, but Larry did do great things for our community. So I assume that uh, you and Larry have talked about uh, sort of that mandate that you have to represent your constituents. Uh, uh, any thoughts in that particular area? Oh, no, I just 100% agree with that statement. You know, any MP or any elected official's job to represent the people first and foremost that, uh, that elected them. And, uh, and represent everybody, even those people that don't uh, vote for you. And, and that's the one promise I made at Countless Doors was the uh, that my job is to listen to everybody, understand their concerns, and do my uh, utmost to uh, represent them in the House of Commons. And so it's, uh, as I started this conversation with, it's, a, it's an honor to be given that privilege, and it's something that uh, I expect to be held to account to, to, to be out there and, and represent everybody. 
Well, that's great. And uh, do you have a, a local team, uh, let's say, standing by ready to open an office or do something to, so that uh, constituency offices, is there something going to be happen uh, to make sure that all that comes in play very quickly? Yeah, well, no, that's what I'm in the process. Why I'm uh, going to Ottawa is to get that uh, necessary orientation so I can uh, reopen the office as soon as possible. Um, I'm keeping one of uh, one, one of Larry's staff uh, sticking around, but uh, the rest have decided to either retire, uh, they've been at it for a long time, or move on to other opportunities. So I'm in the process of actually reviewing some applications. I've already had a number of people reach out to me both here in the in the riding and up in Ottawa looking for uh, possible employment. So I'll go through that. And once uh, I have the authorities and everything to commence that hiring process, uh, I'm wanting to get the office uh, reopened here within the next couple of weeks. And I am keeping the office uh, in the same location where Larry had it. So phone numbers shouldn't change. Uh, there will be new emails, but uh, hopefully we'll get that up and running here shortly uh, in the next couple of weeks. Well, that's great because every know everybody knows about that office and where it's located above the boot and blade. So, uh, look forward to visiting you in that particular premises. That now that I know what's happening, you also have to figure out uh, uh, some digs for yourself when you're down in Ottawa, and uh, a lot of those things will uh, be uh, probably on your orientation as well. Uh, but I know you're uh, an officer of a strategic plan as well so i'm sure you got this all mapped out with checkpoints well not necessarily checkpoints but no i have a plan in place and i'm sure i'll get it all sorted out as soon as possible okay well that's great well look you have a good trip down to ottawa and uh, we'll keep in touch and get some uh, some updates from you after you come back from ottawa will that work for you absolutely Okay, have a nice trip down to Ottawa. It's beautiful uh, weather up here today, so I'm sure it'll be nice on your trip down. So, uh, again, thank you. No problem, Stuart. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. I think just before we uh, uh, leave this uh, segment, I think a, a huge shout-out for all those uh, people that did put their name forward uh, for their, this federal election. I mean, uh, not only is it... Um, more than 40 days is probably close to six months out when you're preparing for that uh, or more maybe for that election but the, the family the families of those people also have to put their life on hold because uh, it's pretty you know putting signs up and, and doing all that advertising and stuff it takes a lot of work and uh, kudos to those who put their uh, put their name forward and, and, and do compete in the or do be part of that uh, democratic pro- process which is very important for our country Yeah, I just got back this morning from the uh, TIAO conference down at the the great area of the Blue Mountains there at the resort. And uh, I represent the Tourism Industry Association of Ontario, and it was a two-day conference. And it was a great opportunity to network with uh, a lot of people across our province. Certainly a lot of... uh, excitement uh, with all the great things that are that are happening here in 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 ontario and all the great ideas of creating uh tourism is 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 growing they talked about also uh, sustainable tourism and and uh and uh, they also talked about sometimes there's situations where you have too many people in one spot and it causes uh issues around the environment and everything else so uh a lot, of, a lot of good, a lot of good uh, uh, sessions, and uh, you know it's all good in, in the sense of the province. So, uh, also I understand. Uh, oh, I, I, I certainly attended uh, last week your annual general meeting for the Chamber of Commerce, and you had uh, 
Chris Hughes uh, speaking at that event, and uh, uh, you were the you were the chair, Mr. Halliday. How did it go? Well, it was a very well attended event, and we were really pleased to have uh, Chris Hughes uh, attend. Uh, Chris has some uh, lots of advice uh, for for everybody, really, but in, in business, but most particularly in, in uh, tourism. So, we're going to run a bit of a montage of some of uh, Chris's suggestions. I think it's all about the small stuff, right? It is. Yeah, all those little things that make a difference. I was going to break out into song. It's uh, about little things mean a lot, but I'll, I'll leave that to another day. Well, yeah, I think uh, yeah, I, I certainly would agree, uh, Stuart, that uh, attending that uh, his presentation was was quite in, informative and uh, it made a lot of sense. So hopefully someday I'll be here selling you delicious double smoked stony keppel bacon. So stay tuned for that one. So how does your business become more memorable? And this is where I'll just roll you through lots of ideas um, that I've put together. This book always bothered me, and so I changed it. Um, And it's called Sweat the Small Stuff, because I'm a firm believer all those little details in your business are the ones that you need to pay attention to. And they're the ones that a lot of people constantly overlook. It's really easy day to day in your business to open your door, to walk in, turn on the lights, go through your you know, daily business, greet your customers, and miss a lot of those little things that today's customers especially find memorable and want to take pictures of and share. So there's this whole movement of small. Small attractions, these are just some, some things I found in my travels. Anybody been to the world's smallest bookstore? Yeah, in Kinmount, Ontario. Yeah, it's really cool. They have a, a debit machine in there, and it's all just pay what you can and you know, make a donation. There it is right there. It's pretty cool. The world's smallest record shop. Has anybody been here? North of Sault Ste. Marie on Highway 11 in Batchewana. Um, this place was absolutely crazy. It's an old reefer container full of records. And if I can read this sign for you, it says, come on in. Door is unlocked. Leave money in the bowl honor system. If you are a few dollars short, don't worry about it. P.S. Feel free to uh, something. I think it says spin and no. Feel free to put in the Fisher Price turntable and listen to stuff. So there's an actual Fisher Price <laughs> record player there that you can demo the records. So just a roadside attraction, but little tiny um, funky place. The small stuff are, is what I call the unsung heroes in a business that take you from good to great. So again, like I mentioned, if we focus on those, it'll take you from being good to hopefully being super awesome. A touch point is anything that engages a person's senses that can be felt, seen, smelled, heard, or tasted. So those are all the things that we want to influence. And I'll get into lots of examples of what those will look like. An unexpected moment, this is where we really nail it. It's where you have a whole series of surprises that build up to creating a really memorable moment that people will want to share. You can uh, create big memories by thinking small, to say what the existing way that you're, you're dealing with it and what's a new enhanced opportunity with that touch point. It just gives you a chance to put pen to paper um, and think about some changes that you can make. Your signage is really important as an entrance to your business. So step two, apply non-normal thinking to as many of those touch points as possible. People love crazy signs. Um, Again, if you ever have to put something in the public space, um, and it's to keep dogs off the church property. So it's a church, so you get it. But 
everybody takes pictures of it. So just have a lot of fun. Be way out there. Be creative uh, with your ideas. Step three, stay on brand. It's a really important space that I think all of us can do a better job um, and make it part of the experience. The biggest compliment you can get is if people are taking pictures in your bathroom and posting them on social media. Spin it so that you know, they're very appreciative to use the service, but you know, they have to understand that you have to make a living too. But you can communicate about your brand in the bathroom. You have them locked down, right? So use that time. Relax your eyes and look at all of those little tiny details where you think somebody's going to go, oh, wow, that's cool. Oh, look at what they did there. What are all those little details, those things that you can influence? Apply non-normal thinking to those touch points. So think about how you can do it differently. How can you do it so that you're going to get a reaction out of somebody so that they're going to pull out their phone and share it? Stay on brand, so don't stray too far off your core brand message. You want to keep adding value to your brand, so make sure everything you do is connected to your brand story in some way. Be really creative, and don't forget about the washroom. It's always easier to be different than to try and compete. That's sort of our motto, and especially in the tourism space. Hey, what's that noise? Maybe it's a ghost. Oh, it is Halloween today, Stuart. It is. And I don't know what happens. There's no full moon, but uh, certainly uh, lots of stories are going to happen today, I'm sure. Well, I think there will be. And I think uh, we've got a few interviews and uh, with uh, that I had with Barbara Perrin. Do you have any ghost stories or anything exciting that that you could talk about this time of year? Well, the only one that comes to mind is the uh, restaurant in St. Hampton, Myrla and Loretta's, and uh, many that have worked there and, and, and visit the, the uh, restaurant have, have witnessed uh, a ghost at the top of the uh, railing or top of the stairs when you come into the uh, into that, uh, I guess that's a, a very old uh, coach house or, or an old yes, uh, hotel or right. however. So there's a lot of stories, a lot of history to that uh, to that building. And I, I think it's a, it's a friendly ghost, but... Uh, as I understand that, uh, uh, was it Myler, um, was waiting for his sweetheart Loretta to come from uh, Europe and she never did make it. And he's, I guess he's quite restless waiting for her to arrive. Okay. Well, there's lots of ghost stories around and, uh, I, we captured a few, uh, with, uh, Barbara Perrin and myself. So have a listen. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. And a big shout out to Barbara on, on doing that. Well, Barb, uh, Today we're uh, going to talk a little bit about something that may be appropriate for the season, and uh, that's a little bit about uh, ghosts and things. There's a lot of talk about ghosts uh, recently in this uh, in our area in uh, in Grey Highlands, and I know you live in uh, in Eugenia, and I I know that uh, you used to do some some ghost walks in Eugenia. Can can is there something that we should know about Eugenia that? Uh, uh, I know actually it was a very prosperous and 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 busy town in the early in the early eighteen early nineteen hundreds and late eighteen hundreds. So yes, in eighteen fifty, that's when uh, people started to live there. So there has been a lot of activity in that particular area near the falls with mills and uh, sawmills and other sash mills. Right. Um, a grist mill, I believe. So it was a busy little town in the in the late 1800s. I guess that's why 
the uh, Eugenia Hotel was uh, seemed to be appropriately built in 1885. So that was kind of like uh, uh, there was a lot of activity down there. Yeah, there actually were two hotels. There was an earlier hotel, and I'm not sure of the date that that okay. was born or built, I mean, and another hotel that was built in 1895, which is the Eugenia House, um, built by the Munshaw family. Right. Okay. So I, I know uh, um, you and uh, your husband, Ron, and myself, and uh, we were sort of the pioneers of creating the uh, the annual festival of the gold rush. All right. right. I remember in the early days of the gold rush, uh, uh, you uh, undertook some, uh, some what I call ghost walks and things. So unfortunately, because I was busy running some other things, I never got on the ghost walk tour with you. So right. perhaps you got some ghost walk stories uh, that you may want to share with me uh, in, in and about Eugenia. And of course, I don't know if we have some time, maybe you have some other personal ghost stories, or I know I do. I have a few stories. Um, I have one at the falls. Do you want me to tell you about that? Yeah, right yeah I'd like to hear about that one. Okay. Um, this one is, I've found this on a website about hauntings. Um the author is unknown, but um, the story goes a long time ago at Eugenia Falls, two young girls were at the falls wandering around and acting like kids. They explored the area and came across a stone wall that kept people back from the rushing river that flows over the falls. The stone wall ended just upstream from the top of the falls and you can get around it to cross. The girls were there during the beginning of the summer when the river was still flowing quite rapidly and they paused at the edge of the water wondering if they should cross by stepping on the stones in the river. While they were standing there, they suddenly felt darkness come down upon them regardless of the fact that it was still bright and sunny and it was bright and sunny just a few minutes before. All the birds and animals fell silent. One of the girls asked her friend if she felt the same thing and she said yes. A few seconds later, they heard a cry for help. It was a young woman's voice. Then something grabbed one of the girl's ankles and tried to pull her towards the water and drag her over the falls. She cried out, run! And they ran as fast as they could. They felt that they were being chased by this thing and they believed that they saw it for a second out of the corner of their eyes. As soon as they got to the highway, it was gone, just like that. They were told later that the cry for help was actually an indigenous girl that had been thrown over the falls a very long time ago, and the thing that grabbed her ankle was her murderer. One of the young girls can still feel the hand on her ankle as if it left something there forever. Well, that's pretty uh, <laughs> scary. Um, I know I walked across there. Uh, um, I don't know whether you're allowed to do that now. They got a new fence, but uh, um, but it, that's that story then is lingering uh, in our let's say in our local cultural um, history. Then, right? You heard any more uh, other than that one? 
I've just heard that that area is said to be very active and there was a paranormal investigator from Barrie who was going to investigate that area and I don't know if he actually did or not. Okay. Well, that's, uh, I mean, there's a lot of activity that uh, that happened in the, you know, the late 1800s, all of the, the thing, the power dam, etc. So, um, have you had any other, I mean, you live in a house uh, that, uh, what's it, is it built by a former blacksmith? Yes. So, he was a blacksmith and he was also the barber. Oh, the, the barber. Era, okay. So, in the area, yes. So, when, when do you think that house was built? It was built in 1895. Okay, so that's got a long history then as well. Right. Heard any, any creaky stuff in that house? Um, well, yes, actually. Um, a long time ago when we first moved there, um, my children were quite young. Right. And my daughter was standing at the bottom of the stairs, and she looked up the stairs and she said, What's the man doing? And there was no man. I couldn't see a man. And I just said to her, I don't know, because I didn't want to scare her. But um, that scared me, for sure. Mm, that's rather interesting. <laughs> well, I, I understand that there are some people that have that ability, or or maybe is it a sixth sense to perceive things that maybe other people can't. And uh, so, therefore, they, they can communicate with... Uh, with uh, maybe ghosts or, or people that right. may be hanging around. So, uh, have you? I know your daughter's you know a lot older now. Have you had any recurrences on on this uh, person? Uh, yes. So, um, I'll tell you a, a one thing that happened to me was um, sometimes I have trouble sleeping. So. I got up in the middle of the night and it was very dark and I decided I was going to go sleep in another room because I I knew that I couldn't sleep where I was sleeping because um, my husband was snoring for one thing but that that's, wasn't the reason I couldn't normal. sleep <laughs> <laughs> and so I went to our spare bedroom and I turned the light on then I came back and I decided I would go into the washroom and when I came out, the door was open and the light was still on. And suddenly I saw a black shadow move across the door and block all the light from the, the light that was on in the room. So on the floor, the, the shadow or the light right. was gone and it just moved across. And that really scared me. Hmm, you 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 must have this sixth sense. <laughs> <laughs> well, I felt the uh, ghost. I mean, I don't see it, but I I felt it there. Right. Okay. Well. And um, we also had uh, some international students staying with us for a semester or two, and they went to Gray Highland Secondary School. One of them told me that she saw a black shadow coming. Um, in the hall across in front of her room and that it looked at her when it went past and um, I, I didn't want her to be scared and I knew that a friend of mine had mentioned a medium that she knows so I 
contacted my friend and got this medium to come over and and um, she brought a friend with her and they both smudged the house and they uh, went upstairs and said oh this person's name is Jack and I said oh well the the gentleman that built the house name was Jake and she said yes that's probably him so she she talked to him and asked him to leave and then I also talked to him and asked him to leave and since then we haven't had any other issues well that's interesting because uh, I uh, looked up something on the internet and said that the paranormal paranormal studies and inquiry Canada they have a, there's a website actually and they really said that uh, by sitting down and uh, having a conversation with the ghost that uh, most of them leave so that's a, a, a so I'm glad you you, uh, (laughs) took that upon yourself to ask them to leave. So Ron had never, had Ron uh, run into it uh, at all? Um, I don't think so. No, okay, so so you and your daughter then have, and this international student then seem to have that little extra sense that uh, maybe you can pick up that vibe, and probably is a vibe. Uh, I know that that I had somebody uh, rent my house on Pellicer once, and they ran into... Uh, a ghost and and they wanted to move and uh, so so I had never you know slept in that house but a friend of mine said he would come up and visit and uh, he was an interesting character he obviously had he said he had the sixth and seventh senses and whatever (laughs) all right Um, because um, so I accepted the fact and then he he told me that um, when he moved in there uh, you know for a short visit that he had um, had a chance to have a conversation with the ghost and apparently it was one of the former owners uh, of the house and um, she had uh, uh, died in the house and uh, she had uh, she was hanging back because she didn't she wasn't happy that she and her little pony had, had really you know said goodbye to each other so anyhow he was able to bring them together the the old pony and and this and this lady and she was happy and went off and that was the end of my story on the house on Pellicer Street mm-hmm. so Barb Eugenia is a could be a, a spooky little place but I'm glad that maybe if my ghost and your ghost are gone maybe that uh, I don't know how we're going to deal with that one on uh, Eugenia Falls okay but um, if it's not bothering anybody right now then then we'll uh, but it is a property of Grace Alba Conservation Authority so mm-hmm. maybe we have to work with the Grace Alba <laughs> Conservation Authority if that's if this ghost poses a problem right right well, Barb, uh, you know, one of the things uh, that we need to move from from uh, Casper the Ghost and and those things is some of the other great things that you do in our community. And uh, one that I know you're famous for is the Explore Grey Highlands map, which I know comes out uh, once uh, once a year. Once a year. It's yes. great to have that uh, map uh, because... Uh, 
I think it lists a lot of different places to visit, etc. I remember you first started, I think your first map was in our original business directory way back when. So I knew you were a map maker, a map maker from the faraway hill. So anyhow, some right. other things that you do besides beautiful paintings, all right, is uh, you and, and, and Ron, uh, your able assistant, uh, work on the, the art map and uh, the food map. Right. Is it the food map or the food? It's the food map. Food map and okay, the art good. map. So tell me a little bit about the art map and uh, how long you'll be doing the art map and uh, you're continuing it on next year, I would assume. And yes. how many studios, etc. Give me a little bit of feedback. Um, well, we've been doing the art map for 15 years. Wow. 2019 is the 15th year. And it started out as a fold-out map and it changed to a booklet and it's changed formats a bit over the years um, we've added the food map so you you flip it over and the food map is on the back and we cover Bruce Gray Simcoe and Manitoulin Island so that's uh, a big territory wow. we divide each area into art trails so th- this year there's 10 art trails so we give um, people a map on each spread and the um, studios and galleries that are in that area and the restaurants and cafes. So we uh, try to make it easy for people to uh, find their way around. And we also have done open studio weekends, which is um, the weekend before Thanksgiving. And we've done that for about nine years now. So it's a, a nice weekend for people to visit studios that they're too shy to call and make an appointment. So um, we try to make it easy for people. Right. So that's the weekend before Thanksgiving. It's usually right. nice at that time of year. Leaves are starting to starting to turn and maybe some in some cases they've turned already so right um so the artists then uh, invite people into their into their studio some of them are actually maybe doing some work in the studio at the time yes some people do demonstrations which is great right and um it's no cost to go on this tour no it's free right so the artists by by their advertising etc uh let's say enhance this book the participation is uh, is rather extensive, so I would assume that uh, all the artists find that uh, very worthwhile. So, well, uh, there are a lot that go in every year, which okay. is great. And each year we have new people that want to be included, so that's also good. Um, next year we're looking at tweaking things a little bit to make them slightly different. We haven't really decided exactly what we're going to do, but. They will be slightly different. Okay. Well, yeah, I always look for something new coming from you and your creative side. Um, one of the things that I know that uh, that you guys have got coming up is, uh, is it the Beaver Valley uh, Harvest? It's the or? Beaver Valley Handmade Artisan Market. That's going to be on November 16th in Thornbury. Okay, so we'll look forward to that. And, and Thornbury, where in Thornbury? At the Beaver Valley Community Center. Okay, uh, that's great. That's a big That's a big center. So Yes, so we, we would have about 50 vendors there. 50? Yeah. Wow, you're big time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, that's great. 
Okay, so we can look forward to that and mark that on our calendar, November the 16th. Right. And that's uh, obviously a Saturday. And yes. it, it opens at what time? 10, and it goes till 4 o'clock. 10 till 4. Okay, we can look forward to that. We look forward to uh, picking up the art map and the food map. So the food map, is that all the, the restaurants that are want, want uh, people to visit them as well? Right, that's right. So they're in... Um, most areas that the art map is in, there's food locations right. as well. Okay. I noticed a lot of restaurants uh, provide walls for hanging art in these days as well. So that's always interesting. Yes. Uh, going yes. into a restaurant and seeing uh, art uh, being hung on the walls. Thanks, Barb. <laughs> Thank Thanks you, Thanks for Stuart. the chat. Take care. So I understand, Stuart, you had a, an opportunity to uh, meet up with uh, Guillermo Anderson. And uh, how did that go? Well, it's good, Paul. It was nice to talk to uh, a young person. Uh, Guillermo is uh, uh, just, uh, I think he's 34 right now, and he's just a proud father of a new a new baby girl called Clementine. So. Oh, cool. And cool. it was nice to chat with uh, young people and to get their perspective. He's, I think, going to be a mover and shaker, uh, definitely in Maxwell, but perhaps even in Grey Highlands. Oh, that's interesting. I, I had a, a, a little visit with the people that bought the uh, church in Maxwell. Yeah, and they're good pl- friends with them. And there are plans that they want to do there and uh, create a, a venue for those that want to get married. And uh, so they're they're working forward on some planning ideas. So yeah, stay tuned. It, it's great. Nice couple. Very nice couple. And they're they're uh, working, renovating and, uh, you know, all the stuff that you and I did years back when you get that first place and you have to make it work, right? That's so right. It's, it's, uh, you just make it work. But uh, yeah, that's good. So I look forward to hearing that. I have a special guest, Gilmer Anderson, and he is with me here in the Studio A to talk a little bit about things that he is doing as as a young millennial in Grey Highlands. And also, he has a lovely daughter that's six months old, so he's getting prepped for his probably his first Halloween uh, being a dad. Are you, uh, she's your only only child right now? That's, yeah, she's You're only planning child. on a dozen? I don't know. I don't know about a dozen, maybe two. Okay, good. At least two. My wife wants three, but I'm still only on for two. Well, yeah, Clementine's first Halloween tonight. Yes. So uh, usually, I mean, we're, you live in Maxwell, Ontario, all right? Which I, is, I do. Which is not known for uh, a lot of people, all right? Would <laughs> you maybe right. say maybe 50 people? I don't know. So on is a your good house, day. Is your house on a main road? Our home is on Cray Road 4. It's very okay. much on the main road, um, opposite where the original Maxwell's Inn would have been located. That stopping place between Durham and Collingwood. That okay. Well, that's made good. Maxwell what, what it is. So um, being on the main drag of uh, downtown Maxwell... Probably eventually, um, if you turn the lights on and do something uh, interesting, uh, kids may knock on your door. Yeah, we're hoping. Are you prepared uh, having some candies out there tonight? Or? You bet, you bet. We hope we get better turnout than last year. Last year was a bit underwhelming, but right. we thought that it was that uh, the kids preferred the couple of subdivisions. Right, that's a lot of north and south of us. It's all about time management uh, for kids, right, is how many, how much they can get. uh, Yes. That's it. So, yeah, no, we're hoping. We're we're certainly ready. And so we'll, you know, Clementine be ready as well. Okay. Uh, to is start that your out, name, Clementine? Yeah, yeah, start handing out candy. Oh, my darling. You bet. Okay, great. That's the one. 
So, uh, Guillermo, you were uh, new to the area. When did you move in? Uh, we moved here last spring, so spring of 2018. How did you select Maxwell out of all the places to go in Ontario? Yeah. Because um, I know, uh, you, did you come from Toronto? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I essentially, I've been working for this restaurant for a couple of years as their butcher. And a lot of the protein and and produce that we would get at the restaurant would come from these neck of the woods. Oh, um, okay. So you're doing the audit trail back to the origin. A little bit. A little bit. Okay. Yeah. We, we, we really started getting uh, more and more interested and intrigued about this geography. Right. Given that so many tasty things were, you know, arriving at our door uh, at the restaurant there. And um, a quick realtor search showed the beautiful hamlet of Maxwell having a perfect little fixer-upper that my wife and I could potentially afford. Okay. Um, by then, we had decided that we wanted to absolutely move, and so, you know, things were set in motion. And Was it a major sacrifice for you to move in this area in the sense of uh, job-related? Uh, Thankfully, it worked out quite, quite nicely for us. Okay. Um, because I was able to tend to a garden uh, at a farm really close by, just 13 minutes away, the new farm, right. uh, where I was employed for the last couple of years, uh, growing food for the restaurant. So I essentially stopped being uh, the restaurant's butcher, and I became the restaurant's gardener. So that was very convenient. Mm -hmm. That must uh, be a big restaurant to be able to have... Uh yeah, yeah, it's Richmond Station, located in downtown Toronto. Okay. Um, I've worked there for the last five years on and off. Right, um, okay. But yeah, it's exactly. Uh, it really made the decision, for me personally, quite quite simple. Uh, we we knew we were in the middle of, of a lot of great things, uh, a lot of great food being right. one of them, which was a, a big driver. Uh, low municipal taxes and that, you know, jewel of a property certainly okay. helped. Good. But yeah. Well, um, I, I, th I think that uh, uh, some people may beg to differ you about low municipal taxes, but nah. uh, as compared to some other places, that's uh, it. And the vicinity. They, are, they are lower. Yeah. So uh, I, I think that, uh, uh, so Richmond, uh, the, the restaurant there uh, doesn't have a rooftop garden or anything like that. No, no. Oh. It's, it's downtown, downtown. There have you ever seen the rooftop garden at the Royal York? I can't say I have, though I've heard about You've it. You've heard about it? Yeah. yeah. They have their own beehives and things. Yeah, I know a few of the properties. I, yeah, I haven't well, it's been just to an the... interesting concept. Uh, Absolutely. No, uh, it's great that people that, you know, make an effort to, to be so closer to food. So the food that food. you're growing uh, yeah. um, is uh, is organic, I would say. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Right. 100%. And, and we're really trying to pay closer attention to the relationship that we can create with right. soil so that, you know, beyond uh, not having to use, you know, synth synthetic right. fertilizers and that sort of thing, we can actually uh, promote soil health and soil life, which ultimately just make uh, more delicious veggies. Right. Um, do you, uh, let's say, uh, do you compost in as a natural way of doing yeah. things at your house? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, that's actually a great... Um, point uh, our little property in Maxwell though it's not not a farm and it's funny all our friends in the city think that we live in a farm I have to stop myself from 
from clarifying that we just live in the downtown of Maxwell, not quite right. a farm. Okay. Um, yeah, we've we've really, I think, uh, been able to do a fair bit. Uh, my wife and I grew a bunch of uh, flowers, uh, cut right. flowers this past uh, year. We built a hoop house where we started all our seedlings. And we've brought in, because we're only on a half acre and we're somewhat limited from some beautiful, okay. beautiful mature trees that are on the property. Right. We're somewhat limited on the area that we can grow, but I think we've done a, a decent job at uh, growing as much as we can. And okay. so, yeah, we started our compost piles right? Uh, and we're really excited to, you know, really make the most of that of that property any, for the time uh, being. let's say old antique uh, apple trees on your property we well? actually do uh, right at the end of the property um uh there is this beautiful old wild gnarly thing that uh god knows how long it's been there for um, oh, that's great. It's not producing very well. I really should prune it a lot more, but the, the, the canopy as it is is right. so beautiful. Now, pruning is something that you can start to, to work on. I that's guess. it. There is a that's bit of a science it. to it. That's I don't it. know what it is. We have an old <laughs> apple tree uh, next to um, our store in Eugenia. My yeah. wife actually takes down the apples and nice. makes apple jam. Nice. And uh, she makes apple muffins as well. Uh, so it, it's really nice, uh, let's say, that the wild, having wild apples around at this time it, of year. So it really... Pumpkins really, and wild apples uh, seem to go together and also a little bit of cinnamon, all right? So. It really... Well, and it's it, that's the thing. It is the season, right? Yeah. Um, we, we did, you know, thanks to the, the kind of year that it's been, such a, such a good apple crop. Um, I was able to get a, a bunch of apples, about nine and a half bushels from. Really, that's a good yeah, deal. Yeah, 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 absolutely. No, not not from our tree though, not from no, our well, property, but local. But yeah, um, we we. So what are you going to do all. with nine and a half bushels? I have between forty to forty-five liters of apple cider in the process of becoming vinegar. So I'm making apple cider vinegar. Uh, and so how do you make cider into vinegar? Is there so a little there, bit of a fermentation process? That's it. That's it. So so you first want that delicious juice to become right. alcoholic, that right. hard cider. Uh, and then you want a second fermentation to occur right. that the acetobacter... Uh, culture so essentially a, to take over. Is there over. something you put into the? I've I did inoculate it. I did inoculate it with a mother that I got from a a, a friend and an artist that lives down in Hollywood. Okay, uh, he gave me, which is honestly the best apple cider vinegar I've ever tried. So right. now it's my it's my goal, goal to make to, something as good, if not right. better, than that one. But this man, it, it's it's an old mother. It's an old starter, and he gave me a little bit of it. So I'm, I'm really is that stoked. something that you can continue. <laughs> very Mothering, much, uh, very much so, yeah. very much so, and not only it's that, like sourdough, uh, sort of. That's yeah. it. That's yeah. it. Which is which is honestly uh, a way of of producing things, and it's a way of of I think relishing things that that really excites me. Um, so certainly hoping to do more of that. So Guillermo, another thing that uh, is coming up uh, after our October uh, the thirty first, which is. Uh, uh, Halloween is uh, is Remembrance Day. Now, not being a native of Canada, um, have you been, let's say, indoctrinated in what's happening on that day? Yeah, I'd say I'd say I remember um, in 2000 when I moved to Canada from Venezuela, where right. I grew up. Um, yeah, I was pretty kind of taken by by the by the commemoration of of such a day. I remember right. um, being. Somewhat, yeah, somewhat taken by, especially um, the the poem, right. uh, which is Flanders Field. Thank you so much. Right. I was like, yeah, um, 
That was written by uh, uh, Colonel John McRae, who actually came from Guelph. So I, oh, I take okay. personal possession uh, of that, that poetry. Pride. Very yeah. good, very good. Yeah, being something very foreign to me, as, right. as we thankfully in Venezuela haven't had to fight any wars for a long time, even right. though the current state of the country is right. certainly it's, less than desirable. But that's, but I digress. Right. Um, yeah, moving here and, and, and really uh, observing the, the respect and the appreciation for the, for the service of so many, you right. know, through the generations uh, was, was pretty remarkable. Um, so where did you, were you able to attend a service last year and um, Remembrance Day service? I don't think we did last year. No, the okay. last the last couple of years have been have right. been just nuts with everything going on. Okay. Uh, especially last year, as we were trying to get ready for uh, our first winter right, through some right. home renovations and that sort of thing. We really didn't do much. We were twenty four seven in in revitalizing your your facility. Anyhow, you bet, you November bet. the eleventh is uh, is coming up uh, shortly, and uh, yes. in Grey Highlands. We uh, we have a memorial in, uh, in up in Markdale. We have one in Flesherton, nice. and we actually have one in Badgeros, which is near to you. Yeah, very near. And uh, we also have one in uh, Eugenia, uh, and we also have one in Kimberley. So that day, and uh, not all things are happening uh, simultaneously, but I know the two in Flesherton and Markdale happen simultaneously. So okay. they play the last post at eleven o'clock, and uh, something happens. Uh, uh, let's say this a quiet comes over the over the the land right and uh, then you know in the last post is played which is a bugle song so yeah. anyhow it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful ceremony and uh, a lot of our uh, population of course have uh, have uh, have been lost to to the cause and Big that's time. why I always say you know it's important to vote because my goodness we we sacrificed a lot of our humanity uh, to get out there and, and and protect our country so anyhow that being said uh, we've just scratched the surface with surface with you and and I there's a lot of stuff to find out why a fellow with a B-com, right, and a butcher and all those things is starting a, a life in in Maxwell. That's really exciting. So thank you for joining me today. Thank you very much for having me. So just a little plug there for those that are wanting to know what's going on. We have a great paper here in Gray Highlands called The Advance. And uh, uh, do check out the coming events uh, along with uh, what's happening and also another, uh, uh, I guess you call it, web-based web news source is southgraynews.ca. And they're all there to uh, let you know what's going on in this great municipality of Gray Highlands. Uh, as you know that uh, the leaves are starting to fall and they say there's a bit of snow in the air. And that's uh, right, coming up to the time of Remembrance Day, which is uh, a time they, that we uh, respect and, and, and reflect on those that uh, were able to uh, uh, continue for us to have freedom here in Canada and in the world. And uh, we're quite uh, dedicated to the, uh, the, the sacrifice that was made, especially in that great war. Sir, I think you have some... some well, my, uh, my grandfather, actually, uh, James Percy Calver, uh, was in, in the uh, 
Great War. He was uh, he was 29 years of age. He'd been in the British cavalry before he'd come to Canada, so they put him in as a, as a sergeant. Uh, and he was at uh, Vimy Ridge. I understand your 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 grandfather was at Vimy Ridge as well. Yes, and he fought a number of battles over there. One of the battles he was wounded, and uh, uh, then was shipped out and uh, went to England to recover. And he was just getting back uh, on his feet again when the war was over. And uh, certainly very fortunate that he did he did survive. And uh, there's a little bit of story where there was two stretcher bearers that uh, were you know picking up the wounded. And as I understand, and the front guy says, "Well, that guy's too far gone." And the guy at the other end said, "No, well, take him. I know him." I understand he was from Ellenville, and uh, so fortunate that uh, my grandfather uh, was uh, was uh, picked up, and and uh, he, I think he was called. He was put on a train, and there's some I think some of his letters that he sent back that there was, you know, over a thousand men wounded on that train, and and uh, the irritating thing that was in, in some of his letters was the uh, the Germans uh, were continuing to uh, bomb. Uh, the rail train or the railways and, and near the hospitals and there was a lot of casualties even after that so i mean that's just a terrible thing about war right it is and of course uh, our country has gone to gone and fought many wars uh, over the years in order us to enable us that we can have a free country and that we can vote so i think it's important for everybody to understand and remember and november the 11th is is a is a place where everybody can gather we have two major events uh, on the 11th in, in one in Flushing and one in markdown right and and so some of those other smaller centers are also having some uh, on that day and in previous or, or, or prior to that day and i think it's very important that we get out there and wear our poppies that's and, right and buy take, a poppy yep take take the time to uh, reflect and, and that moment of silence at 11 o'clock and wherever you are you know please do that because that's uh, it's 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 the least we can do at least we remember right at least we forget right at least lest we, we forget lest we forget before we sign off Stuart you know that uh, the month of November is Movember and uh, it's a great opportunity to uh, to raise some funds for uh, prostate cancer I agree. And it's also uh, a month that uh, you should get your flu shot, Paul. You're well, old enough now to get a flu shot. Am I Am I old enough to get one? I, yes. I know it's very important, especially those that are in the service industry and, and dealing with or around uh, our elderly people. And uh, certainly it's... I got my shot the other day at the Markdale Pharmacy. Oh, that's what happened to you. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So there, there you go, everyone out there. Get your flu shot. A couple of events from over the Grey Highlands horizon that we'd like to acknowledge. First, we'd like to wish our podcasting brethren in the United States good luck with the November podcast post-month. Now in its 12th year, where participants produce a podcast every day of the month of November. Big challenge. Also, Wednesday, the 30th of October, is World Audio Drama Day. This includes all audio drama, whether broadcast on radio, streamed over the web, performed live on stage or in a classroom, or listened to as a podcast on a smartphone. We salute all of the great writers, performers, and producers, and of course their audiences, local or global, that keep the dramatic productions coming through rain or shine. You've been listening to episode 6 of In Grey Highlands This Week for Thursday, the 31st of October, 2019. 
a current affairs podcast for and about the municipality of Grey Highlands in Ontario, Canada. Our hosts are Stuart Halliday and Paul McQueen. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we look forward to you favouring us with a response by email, feedback at ingreyhighlandsthisweek.ca, or a call to our voicemail at 519-900-8905. Please visit ingreyhighlandsthisweek.ca to view the show notes, leave a comment, and listen to extended material. Our scores are skillfully composed and generously provided by Al Halliday of Arkham Dispatch and Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. Thanks to our guests, Member of Parliament for Grey Brousseau and Sound, Alex Ruff, Barbara Pern of the South Grey News and Colour Picks, Chris Hughes of BC Hughes, and Guillermo Anderson. The show is produced by Tim Riley and Kate Russell at Leaking Ambient Studio in Flesherton. In Grey Highlands This Week is produced in association with the Grey Highlands Chamber of Commerce and is copyright under Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, No Derivatives, 4.0 International License.